Welcome to the chat. This podcast is here to encourage and challenge you in your walk with Christ by inspiring women of faith. Chat means an informal conversation, and we can't wait for you to hear this episode of the chat podcast. Your host, Nina Evans, is a Christian marriage and family counselor, police chaplain, national speaker, author, and religion columnist for the Republic newspaper. The chat podcast originates from your gospel station, WYGS, a Southern gospel radio station in Columbus, Indiana. If you'd like to sponsor the radio show or podcast, please contact WYGS at 812-373-9947 or WYGS.org. Welcome to the chat. The chat is brought to you by Moffat Aqua Systems of Greensburg and Aqua Systems of Columbus. Welcome, everyone, to the chat. I am coming to you from the beautiful city of Columbus, Indiana. My name is Nida Evans, and I am the host for The Chat. It airs each Saturday morning from 9 to 10 o'clock on radio station WYGS, and it can be live-streamed from its website. The Chat is also available through iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. My guest today for the chat is Rachel Kirshner. Rachel is a wife, mother, a pediatrician, and hospitalist at Columbus Regional Hospital in Columbus, Indiana. We'll be right back with the chat. Welcome to the chat, Rachel. Thanks, Nina. It's a pleasure to be here with you today. It's so good to to have you. I've been looking forward to having a chat with you. Will you tell us about your family? Yeah, so I um, am married to Mike Kirshner, husband of almost 15 years, Mm. and we have four children. Three are biological and one recently adopted as of March 10th of this year. So we have three girls and one boy. Okay. Which one is adopted, a boy or a girl? Girl. Okay. She's um, number three of four in age order. Mike and I were high school sweethearts. Mm -hmm. We met in high school and started dating and um, went to college at IU for undergrad. And we got married after um, college, uh, right before we moved to Texas uh, for me to start medical school. Um, Enjoyed um, having and and working on raising our kids and um, just all the adventures God has taken us on. So the kind of work you do, you're talking about medical school. What is your work? Yeah, so I'm a pediatrician. Um, I spent several years working out of an office here in Columbus and also working at the hospital. And several years ago, I transitioned to becoming what's called a pediatric hospitalist, meaning I take care of pediatric patients, so babies and kids that are specifically in the hospital. Mm, So that kind of gives the doctors a break then, doesn't it? It does. So, um, yeah, it's it's a lot to keep up with everything that goes on in the office and to see hospital patients and, you know, cover call over nights and weekends. So um, I love the hospital work and um, transition to taking a lot of their call hours, which um, worked out both for great for both groups. So not only do you have four children, but you have a full full time job. Yes. Yes, I do. Will you tell us about your testimony? When did you come to know Jesus? Sure. So I grew up in the church. Um, My mom, it meant a lot to her that we go to church. She knew that was very important. Um, My dad did not 
quite feel as strongly about it. He came to church with us, but there wasn't, there wasn't, I guess, a strong um, discipleship presence from especially my dad, but parents in general growing up. So um, we went to church, you know, at least once, if not twice or three times a week um, growing up. And so had had a lot of good teaching that way. Um, but I feel like, so I gave my life to the Lord when I was in eighth grade, made that decision for myself and got baptized. And But I would say it took a fair amount of time for me to really have that burning fire inside me for Jesus and for what God wanted for my life. Um, I was very focused and all throughout high school and college on, you know, my number one mission was to become a pediatrician. For mm-hmm. as long as I can remember, that was my goal. Um, I I always joke that, you know, my husband is very smart and I'm not as brilliant as he is uh, truly, um, you know, as far as book smarts and being able to remember things. But I just always had the drive and the passion to put in whatever time it took to get there. And so, you know, I spent a lot of my time and energy just trying to to get the grades that I needed in school to, you know, cram everything in my brain that I needed to to get to that point. Um, so even throughout college, I, you know, I, I was very much um, chose things that were going to get me to that point, but it just wasn't, like I said, a, a burning, you know, passion for Christ. I would say that really um, started to, to light a fire about the time I was in med school um, because the schooling got even harder. And there were a lot of ways where I couldn't just try harder and get it done. I really started to see that you know, God was the one who gave me this desire and this passion, and I needed him to get there. It wasn't just something I was going to be able to do on my own. And we got into a great church, a great group of friends that were, you know, many of them were medical couples as well, at least, um, you know, one partner in the couple and really dug into some Bible studies and what, what, what the Bible was really, really talking about and what that meant for my life. Um, so really started to take off with my faith during those years um, that we were away in Texas while going through medical school. So you were in your 20s when mm-hmm. you really started a serious relationship with Jesus Christ. Yep. What's your relationship with Jesus like today? I I really like to think that, um, you know, it, it's a it's a deep and interesting friendship. So I have much reverence and awe for God, um, you know, a healthy amount of fear. But I like to think that it's not so strict and formal. Um, I'm, I'm a real person. I have a real messy life and I have a really big God. And, um, I just really try not to put us in a box that I have to talk to him in this way or, you know, use these certain words when, you know, yeah. conveying. It looks like many different things from day to day, but just like the one true friend who really knows me, really gets me, is really going to be there for me no matter what. And even no matter how much energy I'm putting into the relationship, like he's always there. Um, all I have to do is is turn and, and he's ready to respond. Mm. Has he given you a passion for anything? Many times when we come to know Christ, he stirs up some kind of an interest, extra amount of interest in us for something in particular. Has he done that in your life? Absolutely. Um, a couple things I can think of. Number one is kids. Um, And I think I get that, honestly, from God and also, you know, through my family. Um, Many of my family members have strong passion for children in many different ways that, you know, they they serve God through that passion. And I think I share that passion as well. Um, But also just, you know, the lost and the needy. 
Um, mm-hmm. there, there are some things that God has asked me to do, and, and I know that I've said yes because I just really have a heart for people who are struggling or, you know, down and out, um, just don't have a lot of even, you know, the, the basic things that a lot of us take for granted every day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That certainly is a worthy passion for sure. What's an area or two in your life where God is working on you to make you more like Jesus? Oh, I think if I wrap it up in a couple of words, it would be unconditional love. Um, I think, you know, God is using many circumstances in my life and um, to take me on this journey of really learning how to love people like he does, to to put down my own expectations of what things should look like, um, you know, to, to not just love people when it's easy or fun, um, but to love them for who they are mm-hmm. and for who God sees them as. And, and he's really he's really working on me on that mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. Doesn't he work on us all in that area? Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe it comes more naturally to some than others, but um, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. that's certainly one he's he's stretching me with. Yeah. Unconditional love. That is a tough one. And I yeah. wonder sometimes how much can we as human beings really give people yeah. unconditional love only god can per- perfectly right but uh but certainly yeah i yeah. agree with you i'm in that <laughs> boat with you speaking of boat yes the theme song for the chat is a song called stepping out mm-hmm. and in the song it talks about you know us getting out of the boat god wants us to get out of the boat at times in our lives when he wants to stretch us mm-hmm. to make our faith in him grow to uh, cause us to um, just to be more of uh, more dependent upon him mm-hmm. and less dependent upon ourselves. Can you tell us of a time in your life where in particular when he wanted you to step out of the boat? Yeah. So I interesting. I think there's actually a series of steppings and each one has been kind of a stepping stone to to build my my faith and confidence to take the next step which was going to be even bigger. Um and it, you know, I think one of the gifts that God has given me is is faith. It's not hard for me to trust that he can and he will and and I'm I'm a doer at heart. So, you know, somebody asks me to do something and I'm ready to to leap and then, you know, it's like leap and then go, okay, I don't know how we're going to get this done, but God's going to do it. So let's go. So several years ago, um, you know, those passions uh, just for for the hurting, for the lost, for those who just, you know, are kind of down and out in life. You know, the Bible often refers to them as the least of these. Um, it, it started out, um, my husband and I have some experience in, in like catering and um, mm. the hospitality industry just because of a business that my mom used to run. And so it, it started out with us wanting to use those skills that we had to help people. And our church does is one of the sites for the Helping Hands Hot Meal site. And so we started, you know, volunteering on Saturdays, you know, coming in and cooking a meal for, you know, whether they were homeless or just didn't have the ability to provide themselves with a hot meal, they'd come and eat. And we did that for a while and then started to really just have a longing for knowing these individuals more. And so we would sit down with them while they ate and we'd talk and we'd get to know them and we'd we'd hear their stories. And, you know, through that, we really started to just have a heart for the homeless. 
Um, we met a guy who was out there, had previously been homeless. Now he was working to help the homeless, you know, in order to bring them um, the love of Jesus. And so we, we partnered with him on, you know, some things that he was trying to do. Um, we would go under the bridge where we knew the homeless people stayed and we would take backpacks full of supplies and, you know, sleeping bags in the winter and things like that. And, and it just grew and little by little, um, you know, God just asked us to do the next thing and we just said, yes. Um, so, you know, one step was, um, at one point we had, we bought an old RV and we were taking it around town and we were cooking meals out of it and, you know, feeding people at times where those hot meals weren't provided and handing out supplies and just getting to know these people and their stories and their hurts and just trying to share the love of Jesus. Um, then one day we got introduced to a couple who was living out of their truck they were an elderly couple. They had a home, but it had, over the years, so much had started, you know, wear and tear, and they weren't able to financially hire someone to do the work. They weren't able to do it themselves, so their their home had no running water, no electricity. It was so run down, they, they could not live in it. So they were literally sleeping in their truck, and they both had you know, medical problems. And we met them one night and the guy who introduced us, he was like, I don't really know what you can do, but I just felt like you needed to meet them. And, um, you know, my husband and I both were like, I don't know how we're going to do this, but we're going to fix their house. Like we have no background in, in carpentry or renovation or plumbing or electric. And, you know, we didn't know where the money was going to come from to do it, but we just knew we couldn't walk away. God was saying, you know, you're going to help these people somehow. And so between volunteers and people that we knew and, you know, finances that just came in from random places, we literally gutted their house, redid the whole thing and put them back in it. And God was just amazing in how she, he showed up um, every step of that process to get that project done. Um, then we did another house for another family who the dad was working on the remodeling, and then he passed away suddenly from a heart attack. The family was left with, you know, living at relative's house and no idea how we're going to get this home done. And so we helped with that. Um, we had met a couple of women along the way who were homeless and struggling and just really trying to do anything we could do to help them get back on their feet and, you know, share the love of Jesus. And as my husband and I got into helping all those people, you know, in some ways it was discouraging, like, you know, just the system, how hard it is to navigate the system, how hard it is once you're in that position to get out of it. And we really stepped back and thought, you know, where can we make an even bigger impact? And it came down to children, back to my first love of children and um, just being able to, you know, prevent, if we could, that heartache for a child who maybe otherwise was destined to live that same journey that their family was on. And so that brought us to the point of fostering. We had three biological kids of our own. And before we had our third, we had kind of tossed around the idea of adoption. And that was kind of scary. And we kind of thought, yeah, maybe maybe we're not quite ready to take that leap. And so then we ended up having our, our third um, biological kiddo. And then um, once once he was a couple years old, just that I just kept hearing that nagging, like, foster, you can do this. There, there are kids that need a good place to stay. You can give them that, um, you know, for whatever time that they needed our house. 
that was what we were going to do. And um, we set into fostering with no idea of adoption. That was not even something we had really considered. We just wanted to be a safe place for kids for a time as, you know, their families were working to to get their life back on track. And so it was a very long process to um, get licensed to foster um, took about nine months, and then um, that you know we got our a license, and the next day they brought us a little girl, oh. and she never left our house. Oh. Oh. <laughs> she is she was our first placement, and she is now adopted. And again, that was quite the journey. God really was asking us to trust Him um, that He was going to make all well. Wow. So you have three natural born to you children mm-hmm. and one adopted now. Have you have you brought any more into your home for foster care? We have not. So we're still technically licensed, but um, you know, she came with a lot of trauma history and so a lot of things that we're working through with her and as a family and um, yeah, I don't know what God will ask us to do someday, but right now she just needs, you know, all our love and attention to to help her heal and to help her feel like she is home. Thank you for telling us about that, Rachel. We've got to take a break, and so we'll be right back with the chat. We're back with the chat, and we're getting ready to talk about Rachel Kirshner's prayer life. Uh, as we said before, uh, Rachel is a hospitalist, a pediatrician at Columbus Regional Hospital. Rachel, let's talk about that prayer life that you have. Do you have a designated pr- place where you go to to pray every day? At times. Um, I am one of those people that I try really hard to just roll with life's punches. And having four small kids means that life is a little bit hectic and chaotic. <laughs> and you have to be <clears throat> a little bit go with the flow with that. Um, there was a time after I had watched the War Room movie and read that book. Mm-hmm. And that really resonated with me to just have that place that was you know, where I fought my battles in the best way that I could fight them. Mm-hmm. And so I, I do have, you know, some spots in my house that I would consider my war room. It's not where I do all my praying, but, mm-hmm. you know, especially when there are bigger things that mm-hmm. um, I know need a lot of focus and mm-hmm. prayer, um, that is where I will go. Mm-hmm. Can you take us through a day of your prayer life? Uh, like before you get out of bed, do you say any prayers? And then take us throughout the day sure. and then at night before you go to bed. Yeah. So as I mentioned um, in the beginning, you know, I really see God as a friend and I really take to heart the pray continuously, um, mm-hmm. you know, verse in scripture. And so um, from I'm not I'm not a morning person. So to get up early and do, you know, prayer and Bible study, that that's not when it works best for me. So Mm -hmm. it's really, you know, it's time to get out of bed. Okay, it's time to to get run and get the kids Mm -hmm. ready for school out the door. Um, But then after the three oldest are gone off to school, then that's usually a pretty big study time for me. Um, so I'll get, get my youngest doing something like his screen time for the day or something like that. And, um, just take that time to, to do some Bible study and prayer. Um, and then, you know, throughout the day, there are definitely like prayers in the moments for any given thing that's going on. Um, you know, just like I was calling up a friend and telling him, you know, what was happening throughout my day. I also, um, 
really just music speaks to me a lot. Music is a big part of my life, of my daily routine. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of songs that I love, you know, will just speak to different things that are going on in my life. And I use those like prayers, whether, you know, I'm singing along with the music playing or just, you know, a song comes to mind. And, um, you know, I think I think David did that a lot in the Mm -hmm. Bible. You know, a lot of those psalms were his prayers. Um, and so that that's a big part for me. Then, you know, when the kids get home, um, a, a big focus for us is family dinner. So every night that we can, there has to be a good reason why we don't mm-hmm. sit down at the dinner table together. Um, and we always pray before we eat. And every night the kids are like, can we start eating? And I look at them. I'm like, you know, the answer to that question. <laughs> We're going to pray first. And um, that's that's always a little bit different. My youngest, he really loves to pray and his mm-hmm. prayers are short and sweet. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, a lot of times the other kiddos will, you know, they'll, can I pray tonight? And so sometimes it's a couple people and sometimes we're like, nope, dad's leading us in prayer tonight. So that always looks a little bit different, but we always pray mm-hmm. together um, before we eat. And then typically we pray with our kiddos as we put them to bed. So, um, you know, a different parent will take a different child and we kind of do a little bit of one-on-one time with them where, you know, Mm -hmm. especially the younger two, read them a book and and do their prayers. And we encourage them to pray themselves. And that's always a great way to see what's on their heart and what's, you know, stewing in their little minds. And then we typically will pray over them specifically um, and the things that are going on in their lives. Mm. Um, so that, that would be a typical day of, of prayer for me. Mm. Are there any prayers that you pray specifically for yourself each day? Um, it typically goes back to, um, you know, help my heart, Jesus, give me, give me the love for, for this person or that person or basically every person that you have for them. Help me to see them the way that you see them. Mm. Mm, so important, so important. What does your devotion time look like? What's it consist of? What do you do during that devotion time? Yeah, so um, it's looked different over different periods of my life. I've been involved in like Sunday morning Sunday school groups or, you know, family um, devotionals with other families. And so I've gone through a lot of whether it be, you know, books or video studies and things like that. And I have some favorites throughout um, throughout the years, love anything Francis Chan does. He's, I, I just, I listen to him and, uh, you know, I'm just ready to go do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now, um, I'm reading through, working on reading through the Bible in a year. And I did it two years ago with our small group. Um, I use the Version Bible app a lot. Um, I kind of felt like for a long time it was cheating if I didn't read out of my literal Bible. And mm. I love my actual Bible, love to write in it, take notes in it. Mm-hmm. But you know what? The the truth is my phone is with me no matter where I go, mm-hmm. especially, you know, being on call a lot for the hospital. I always have to have my phone. And so if my Bible is on my phone, there's really no excuse. I can be anywhere, you know, with any amount of time. And instead of pulling up, you know, Facebook or something else on my phone, I can pull up my Bible and start reading. And so um, through version, I've um, started the Bible recap with um, Terry Lee Cobble through the Bible Project. And that's the plan that I picked to read through the Bible chronologically um, this year. And it has been phenomenal. Um, I'm, I'm a knowledge seeker, so uh, that shouldn't be a surprise in the profession that I'm in. Um, but I, I love reading the Bible to gain more knowledge. But I think what God has really done, you know, through this Bible study for me 
is to point me back to him. Mm-hmm. So not just mm-hmm. facts about, you know, this person or that person or what happened or the storyline, but how each and every verse in the Bible speaks something about God. And so, you know, through um, the podcast with Terry Lee Cobble, that is a big part of what she does is, how, you know, even if it's reading a genealogy, like how does this point us back to who God is? And that has just been huge for my my growth with understanding who God is. Mm. If you could say you had only one favorite or so throughout your years of being uh, a follower of Christ, is there one that comes to mind first? I, I don't know that there's one. There, okay. I, I feel like at different points in my life where I needed to learn something different that mm-hmm. God has brought, you know, the right study or the right um, the right teacher, the right author mm-hmm. for that time in my life. Mm-hmm. And it's always it's always what I needed to hear and what I needed to learn. Mm-hmm. So in that case, you would probably say a lot. There are a lot of different devotionals. <laughs> there are a lot. Yeah. Do you have a life verse, a verse that God has used throughout your life to uh, encourage you, strengthen you? And a lot of people have more than one. But what about you? Sure. So uh, it it's one that I've picked up more recently, but I think it's a theme that um, has been there. And I just have more recently found the scripture to put with it. Um, Galatians 6, 9, um, do not grow weary in doing good for at the right time you will reap a harvest. And, you know, that that's not, it's not a promise of um, earthly blessings, but um, just, you know, especially through the journey of trying to, trying to help people, um, especially our foster now adoptive daughter, like there, there are days where I just don't know if I can do it. I know God can, but mm-hmm. I'm just not sure I can. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's just a lot of encouragement. I, I have that verse on my bathroom mirror. I have it on my refrigerator. I'm a very visual person. I need that reminder that he asked mm-hmm. me to do this and therefore he's going to make sure that the work is complete even when the days are long and I just have to not give up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We all need that during the day, don't we? Different <laughs> yes. things we face. Just the encouragement that that yep. um, helps us to hang in there. Keep yes. at it. Keep yep. at it. What book of the Bible are you reading now? Is there one in particular reading or study? So through um, my Bible study, reading through the year, we're in the Old Testament um, in chronologically um, in the time of King David. So um first and second Samuel and getting into Chronicles, reading a lot of the Psalms that David wrote, you know, as he was fleeing and, you know, hiding and fearing for his life. And that's the point where I'm at in the study. Okay. Okay. Can you tell us uh, two of your favorite biblical accounts? I love the story of Joseph. Um, mm. and, and it really culminates in the end. So, you know, he, he was kind of arrogant and cocky maybe a little bit mm-hmm. when he was younger and he was mm-hmm. the favored child, but he, he didn't have a lot of humility. And, you know, at different points in my life, I've, I've, I, I, can, I can relate to that. And, and that is something that I ask God for all the time is, you know, give me humility. It's not me. It's you. Anything that mm-hmm. I've been able to accomplish or do, it was not on my own. Um, so I, I like that the story kind of starts that way. Um, but Joseph, he, he gets a lot of rough breaks in life, um, you know, of no fault of his own, lands in some pretty horrific places, really suffering. And, you know, the Bible doesn't really go into detail about how he felt in any given moment as the days were long, as he was imprisoned, as he was enslaved. Um, but, you know, when his brothers finally come back, 
um, because they're they're forced to go to Egypt because of the drought. They have you know no food. The whole family is going to die, and this is God's chosen people. Um, you know they end up coming, and Joseph is Pharaoh's right hand man because of because of all the things that God has orchestrated through his life in this position that he's now in. Um, and he just has like he's broken for his brothers and and his father, and he longs for them and he misses them. He's not. He's not bitter and he's not mad and he doesn't, you know, punish them for what they did. And um, in Genesis fifty twenty, um, Joseph basically tells his brothers, "You meant evil against me, God, but God meant it for good, mm. and and God made good out of it." And I, I, at one point in studying this story in this verse, um, I can't remember who, but somebody called it the fifty twenty principle. And that just, again, speaks volumes to me that, you know, when life seems unfair, when you're given something, you know, that it, negative that you don't deserve, that just just hold on. Like, God's not done. And and the 50-20 principle, like, they may have meant it for evil against you, but God can use it for much glory. Mm-hmm. Again, that touches all of us, I think, that I think a lot of times scripture will hit, especially in Joseph's case, will hit on highlights it doesn't go into a lot of what he thought and all yeah. that, as you were just saying. But Scripture brings out the high points of his life mm-hmm. to be able to speak to us. Do you have any favorite biblical women? I really like um, Deborah. So, um, you know, she was the one and only female judge um, for females to be put in positions of power or leadership, you know, especially in the Old Testament times was was not the normal, you know, culturally speaking, um, that was kind of unusual. And I like that she was kind of described as maybe the best judge character wise. Um, the, the scriptures describe her as somebody who, you know, was true to her word and, you know, followed after, um, after God and, and followed his plans. And I love that. I, 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 I have no problem being a follower, um, but I'm a, I'm a strong personality. I'm a doer. And I love that God, um, you know, cherishes women and has, you know, specific strong roles for women to play. And, you know, we can be the helper. We can be the helpmates. We can do the daily small stuff, but we can get out there and do the big stuff, too. Um, so Deborah, Deborah really speaks to me. So with Deborah and, you know, when you're talking about her, I think about Esther. Mm-hmm. I think about just so many women that God is so good in his word to show us women, other women who he has used in such a strong and powerful way. Yes. Yeah. Have you had a mentor in your life? I would say I've had a few. Um, I love the idea of you are my mentor, I'm your mentee, and we both know it. But I don't know that I've ever had that defined of a of a mentor-mentee relationship. But I can certainly see, um, you know, specific people that God has placed in my life at different times to help me through something or to help grow my faith in a specific way. Um, early on, especially, you know, I was, as I was really searching for this faith to be my own and what did that look like? What did that mean? Um, you know, when I was in medical school, um, things got really hard. Things got hard from, you know, just a, a school aspect. Things also got very hard on a personal level. Um, it was a time in my life where my parents, you know, split up. They got divorced, um, which you would think, you know, we were older 
probably doesn't have as big of an effect as maybe younger kids, but it certainly did. Um, and I was really, I was really searching during that time. And um, so there was the minister at the church that I was going to um, really just poured into my life. He was a person that just was there. He would listen. He was almost that like father-like figure that I feel like, felt like I had lost or maybe never had along the way. Somebody who could point me more to what my heavenly father looked like um, than maybe, you know, the one that I was given here on earth. Um, and, and, and I, I can say that about, you know, um, women youth group leaders or, you know, Bible studies that I've been in with other women and the women that have led those studies. So again, I don't know that there's been one person throughout my life, but people that God has definitely placed in, in a time, in a season for a specific reason. The importance of a mentor. And it sounds like you have had several throughout your life. And like you were saying, we don't necessarily call them a mentor (laughs) or mentee, but that's the role that is being played. And so, yeah, the importance of that. So it sounds like you have had some major people in your life who have helped to guide you through some really tough times. Yes. This is good stuff, Rachel. Yeah. We've got to take another break, though. We'll be right back with the chat. We're back with the Chad, and we're speaking with Rachel Kirshner, and we're getting ready now to talk about struggles, struggles in your faith life. Have there been very many, or can you tell us about some of the struggles you've had in your walk of faith? Yeah, so I think there have been a lot of little struggles along the way, certainly, but maybe two periods in my life where... I just remember really struggling hard. I never, I never, you know, I never doubted the fact that God was there. It was more of a, um, you know, what, what is the purpose of all of this? And uh, you, you're able to help me, but are you willing? And, you know, what does that look like? Um, So I mentioned earlier when I was in med school, um, school got really tough. My parents um, got divorced my husband, within like a couple year period, my husband lost his dad. He passed away um, from a cardiac problem. And um, I just remember just feeling really lost, like not knowing why all these things were happening and what it meant. And, you know, um, it was very hard on our marriage to be dealing with all of these things at one time. And so we sought out, um, you know, a really wise Christian marriage counselor um, and, and there was some working on us, but honestly, it was each one of us working on our own history and our own traumas. And, um, that was, that was really pivotal. It really, um, he, he was such a wise counselor. He really showed us how to take all those hurts to God and give them to him and let him heal them. And then how to, you know, build for ourselves a strong marriage that included praying together and talking about our schedule together and spending time together and, you know, all, all of those um, just great, wonderful, basic things. So that was um, huge point number one in my life. And then more recently, um, within the last couple of years, um, I mentioned getting licensed to become foster parents took a very long time, much longer than I had anticipated. It was like a nine-month process. And um, right towards the end of that, 
you know, we had made this decision to do this much, much long ago. We had, you know, gone through this months long process of, you know, them looking at every um, line of our life um, to make sure that, that we were a safe and good place to take children and all the hoops that you have to jump through to do that. Um, and then about a month before we got officially licensed, um, I had a really rough um, uh, work incident. So just a, a, um, it was a loss of a patient. Um, when you're a pediatrician, you know, it, losing a patient is always hard. But when it's somebody's child that like, I mean, it, I just can't even describe how awful it is for them, how awful it is to be that physician. Um, and I, something in me broke. It really did. I didn't know how to deal with that. I felt alone. Um, it was hard for my family to understand. And it was just, it was very rough. And a month later, we were licensed and we welcomed this little, sweet, smiley, five-year-old traumatized child into our home. And so, you know, all of those things happening just one after the other, it really just felt like the rug got pulled out from underneath me. And I just, you know, thinking, God, I know you wanted me to do this, but wow, like, <laughs> how am I going to do this? Um, and again, sought out a really wise Christian counselor that just was pivotal in helping me work through all that, just dealing with that, that loss, that trauma, um, being able to move on. Cause in some ways it feels like moving on is letting them down that I, I shouldn't allow myself to move on because this should wreck me forever. Um, so just being able to process that, um, and start to become, you know, for our foster daughter, what she needed us to be, because we, we knew it was going to be tough, but it's kind of one of those things that nobody can really tell you how hard it's going to be until you're actually doing it. And just, you know, the things that we underestimated, like the effect on our other kids and how hard that was going to be even for our support systems. You know, we felt like we had pretty good support from our family and our friends, but you know, we had no idea what we were getting ourselves into and they had no idea because nobody we knew you know, in our circles ever did this, um, you know, foster thing. And so as it got difficult for us, it got more difficult for our the people around us to support us. Nobody really know, knew what to do. We were just at a loss. Um, and it took, it took months and months and months of fighting to find the right help, the right resources, and they're out there. So if you're in it or thinking about being in it or feeling like you're in it and way over your head, don't give up because there are great resources out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but just everything that God has taught me, uh, you know, along that way, again, I, I, faith, it was, faith is not an issue, I believe, um, but it was always me feeling like I needed to do more and be more and get this done on my own. And I think that's the big lesson that God, you know, mm-hmm. keeps working at me is um, mm-hmm. you're not alone and you don't have to do this. You just have mm-hmm. to trust and believe that I'll do it for you. You can't do it. Not only do no. you have to do it, you can't do it. None of us can no. do it. And I'm a doer, so that is a very, I'm apparently <laughs> very thick. And God has had to work multiple times in multiple ways to, to get that message through to me, that it's, it's not me on my own. I have to be willing and able, but be wise about when it's my turn to mm-hmm. jump and when it's his turn to do what only he can do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Only God can do the biggest portion of what needs to be done. But he can't do it if we don't allow him or if we don't ask him to. Just think, Rachel, what it would have been like had you not 
ask God or depended on him to get you through the times of struggle you were just talking about? What would it have been like for you? Oh, dark and ugly disaster. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You couldn't have recuperated from it. You might have. Chances are great that you would not have continued being a physician. Don't you think? I think there would have been some catastrophic losses. You know, my marriage would not have survived Mm -hmm. had we not surrendered. Um, My kids would not be resilient and strong and learning the lessons from it that they are if we had not surrendered. Mm -hmm. Um, I would not Mm -hmm. have been able to move on and help, you know, the next patient in front of me had I not Mm. surrendered and just given Mm -hmm. it up. Everyone would have been affected by it. Absolutely. And I think your children more than anyone else would have been affected by it. Yes. During these times of struggle, though, what you were just telling us about, was there a particular song that God brought to you during that? Or even is there a particular song that you think would minister to our listeners today? So this was tricky for me because, like I said earlier, music really ministers to me. And I have, um, so I listen to music, um, listen to Christian radio in my car, you know, all the time. That's the only thing that I listen to. But um, through that, I, I find my favorite songs. And I have an Amazon playlist. I call it my theme song playlist. <laughs> and it is all these wonderful Christian artists, you know, old songs, new songs, remakes of songs. And there's about 60 songs on there. It's like mm. four hours worth of listening. So to pick one song it was a little bit of a challenge. Um, but I love it. And it's a newer song. I love Say I Won't by Mercy Me. Um, it, it's basically, you know, dare me, like dare me to say that I can't do this because with my God, I can do anything, mm-hmm. you know, that he wants me to. And so um, I love that. Again, I'm a doer. So just, you know, mm-hmm. dare me, dare me not to do it. <laughs> and, you know, tell me that God wants me to and just look out world. Mm-hmm. Let's listen to the song Rachel has chosen today. Say I won't by Mercy Me. Today, it all begins I'm seeing my life for the very first time Through a different lens Yesterday, I didn't understand Driving 35 with the rocket inside Didn't know what I had while I've been waiting to live, my life's been waiting on me. I'm gonna run, no, I'm gonna fly. I'm gonna know what it means to live and not just be alive. The world's gonna hear, cause I'm gonna shine. enough is what I've been told but it must be a lie cause the spirit inside says I'm so much more so let them say what they want oh I dare them to try 
in closing, I'd like to give you a couple of minutes, Rachel, to say to those listening today something that will encourage them, that will build them up, that will minister to them. What would you say? Yeah, so two things. Um, I would say first and foremost is just pursue a personal relationship with God no matter where you are in that walk, whether you are not sure if you want to, whether you said yes, but, you know, we can always go deeper with God. And so just putting that, you know, as your number one priority to just pursue that personal relationship with him, ask him to reveal to you who he is and his love for you. And he will, um, he really will. So just pursue him. And then the second thing is just say yes to God. Um, you will be amazed by what he can do if you'll only say yes. And man, it is a wild ride. It is an adventure of a lifetime to say yes to God and to see what he'll do. Isn't that something I think about what you just said about saying yes? And that's a prayer that I pray for myself every day. And you were just saying as well that it's a wild ride. You don't know where you're going to end up. You know that God will be with you and strengthen you and all of that, but you don't know where you're going to be. So I think about myself and I think, you know, about about doing disaster work and writing for the paper and being a marriage and family counselor and just so many things. But it's because... Early on, I said, yes, Lord. Now, there were, there were times when I had to think about it. Now, what what does, but I always said yes. And so I can relate very well to yeah. what you're telling our listeners to do. Just say yes. Don't fight it. Just yeah. go with God's flow. Thank you for that reminder, Rachel. Yeah. Will you close us in prayer today? Sure. Father God, I thank you so much for this opportunity to be here um, and to share stories. Um, you know, I, I think I think you you work miracles um, by just having us sit down and share stories and and hearing that we're not alone in this thing that we thought that nobody else was going through. There are so many other people who have been there or are going to be there, and just the ways that we can help um, each other through our stories. Um, God, I am thankful for each person that will listen to this, and I pray that that you have given Nida and I the words um, that might just provide hope and love to even one person out there today. Um, thank you, God, for this program and this station and for everything you're doing through it. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for coming and being here with us today, yeah, Rachel. for having me. It's been great. You have given me encouragement just to sit here and chat with you and and hear what God wanted to say to me through this. So I thank our listening audience today for taking the time just to sit and listen to the chat. Our prayer is always that you will be strengthened and encouraged by anything and everything that we say on the program. We truly believe that God is using this time together on Saturday mornings to be an encouragement and to help those who need to be ministered and encouraged. So we thank, we just want to take the time to thank those who uh, ordinarily would not listen. But today, for whatever reason, God has, you have sit and listened to what Rachel and I have had to say. Thank you for the blessing that you have given to us today. I've appreciated your tuning into the chat today. I look forward to future times when we can once again sit and have a chat. 
Savior is near, I'm stepping out, cause he wrote.